Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. And this is very exciting. And this is a very special episode that we are doing to get ready for the new Lord of the Rings show on Amazon Prime that's coming. We are talking about the Lord of the Rings films, the original trilogy. Uh, we're going to be doing that over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. But today we are here to talk about the very first film in that trilogy. We're talking about The Fellowship of the Rings. And uh, I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and Oscar Staten is here. Hello. And my good friend Jen Edwards is here. And this is very exciting because this is this was your first time ever watching these movies, correct? Yes. And as of now, I've only watched this first one. Yes, this is so cool. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But thank you to both of you for coming on the pod. I appreciate it. And Oscar, why don't you, it's been a little while since you were on, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Hello. So I, I'm a writer and I, I've been doing, dividing my time between uh, working with my dad's company and also writing my own novel. And the manuscript mm. for that has actually been coming along quite nicely. And in actuality, my love of reading and my love of literature and creative writing stems from discovering the Lord of the Rings as a child. That's great. Uh, well, Jen, it's been a while since you were on as well. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience as, as well? Um, I am Rachel's friend. <laughs> we actually live close together and end up doing a lot of um, fun movie things together. I have a regular job. I do mortgage loans for a living, but I do um, speak in pop culture. <laughs> yes. And I like to write reviews for no reason whatsoever. I just do. And um, I love movies and TV and all the things. Yeah, Jen is my, particularly my talking about movies buddies. So she's just like the pre-podcast podcast, just for <laughs> the two of us. We, we break it down. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but uh, awesome. it's interesting. So this is your first time watching uh, this this movie. Why do you think that you, it was such a phenomenon. Why do you think that you hadn't watched it? Well, I know... I know I dismissed the first one in the theater. And after that, it was this kind of thing that I had to see it in the theater mm. and watch the other ones because I hadn't watched the first one. And then I just kind of didn't, I don't know. I just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And um, several years ago, a friend of mine who he said, this is, his, this is his favorite movies and you're a movie person. You have to watch these. And we sat down to watch the, this first one and I was on my phone the whole time and could not engage with it at all and he got frustrated and turned it off uh, <laughs> because I wasn't, go was this? I wasn't taking it in properly uh and I anyway and so yeah. and I don't think it was anything other than it was the setting we were in a weird house and I just didn't I just didn't, it just didn't yeah. grab me but I will say this experience I had a completely different and great one with it oh good that's good to hear that's good to know <laughs> so oscar did you grow up reading the books or were the movies your introduction well the movies were my introduction mm -hmm. but my dad and my sisters had read the books and yeah. it was actually a case where he he was actually more excited about the films at the time because this was something that he, he had read as a teenager so there was a little bit of trepidation about how well this is going to work out mm -hmm. but for me i was nine years old my reference point for fantasy was stuff like harry potter and the sword of the stone 
So the Lord of the Rings was quite a few bars higher than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my mom loves the Lord of the Rings. It's uh, her, one of her favorite books series. And uh, so she would read it to us and I was never very interested in it. I, I've just never like. been a big fantasy person. I've always preferred things like as a, as a little girl, I, I was more drawn to something like little women, uh, than, um, than something fantasy related. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that was, but she did try to read, she did read it to us. Uh, and, uh, she, she loves them and, uh, I've certainly grown to appreciate them as an adult. Uh, and, uh, the movies, uh, sometimes are a little long-winded for my taste, but I still, you know, really enjoy them. I think they're very, really good. I'm not a big fan of the Hobbit ones that came later, but these ones I, I think are really well done. And, <clears throat> and you got to admire the, the sort of scope and ambition of Peter Jackson and the whole team that, you know, that filmed all these movies together. I mean, just building these whole worlds and taking on everything. It's pretty impressive. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, Rachel, I've decided this is why we're friends because my mom is a racist reader and loves J.R.R. Tolkien and, um, but I was never that interested in them. And Little Women is literally my favorite book. Yeah. And I love all things Little Women. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Little Women was the first like big book that I ever read. It was the first and you book that I was ever like proud of. Like, look, I read this, you know, big book. And uh, that and um, Anna Green Gables, those were, were definitely my my two favorites as a little girl. But um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> no wonder we get along so well. Uh, but yeah, this movie came out in 2001 and uh, it had great, great acclaim. Uh, it, it did very well, obviously, at the box office and it was nominated for Best Picture and won uh, 13 uh, Oscars. It won Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Original Score and Best Visual Effects. So it's a success in every way that you could be successful. <laughs> uh, what so, was it like uh, being you know being there when it was first coming out what's that what was it like to be in that hype zone for fellowship yeah. in 2001 well i remember going with my sister and she was my sister's 10 years younger than this sister is 10 years younger than me and she had such a crush on orlando bloom and the whole time, whenever he was on screen, she was just, she would let out this little. <sighs> I don't blame her. That's what I remember most of all was Anna and her. <sighs> About like a loss. But uh, and not for nothing, I might add. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. She actually had. She had like a whole wall of Lego loss in her, in her room, including she had her, just his eyes. Like I was like, you're, you're getting a little Whoa. weird here at this point. <laughs> but yeah, she was a big Orlando Bloom fan. I think she still is to this day. <laughs> so that's a memory I have. Uh, I mean, there's not that many movies that I remember going to with my whole family, including my mom, my dad, because my parents are not, movie people at all my dad's like probably been to one movie in the la in the theater in the last decade um <laughs> i don't think he's been to one since lame is a <laughs> uh, but uh 
they're just not movie people but because my mom loves lord of the rings and these this series is my dad's favorite movies as well and so i do remember going to plus i lived far away from my parents at that time so i don't know i just don't have very many memories of going to the movies with my whole family uh and uh, this is one that i except for maybe my brother wasn't there but um but going to see and and uh just i mean it was just such a spectacle uh such a big screen i understand why people said that to you jen because it really is the uh the way they were able to transport new zealand to middle earth is pretty amazing <laughs> it's beautiful this, oh. yeah yeah. It really puts New Zealand's on the map in a big yeah, way. It really did. And I think it's something that in the Hobbit movies, they really lost because I think those movies have a lot more CGI. Where well, they gradually, the thing is, they gradually shifted from on location New Zealand shooting. Mm -hmm. And you can see it as they became more set bound, gradually using less and less of the, yeah. of the natural surroundings. It's not as good. And it not seems like in this doesn't. new show that they're back to... I mean, I'm sure they'll have tons of CGI, but it it looked at least in the trailer to me, it looked pretty grounded. Which I don't, I, I don't think it did. No, you didn't. If, yeah. It seemed a bit flat, honestly. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I thought I was like, okay, they're getting closer back to, but I, I, you know, I mean, they put in a billion dollars into the show, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's got to perform big, uh, so. Yeah, well, although I Challenge, do think challenges on the horizon. Yeah, I do think that the the Kate Blanchett, uh, Galadriel, you know, uh, look like young young Kate Blanchett looks really good. She looks exactly like her to me. She, she looks good. Yeah, I, I thought so in the trailer. But uh, I'm not thrilled with who they cast as Elrond. But then again, uh -huh. how do you top Hugo Weaving? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But well, uh, close. so Jen, this is your first time watching. And so what was your overall feeling about it this time? Well, I have to talk about this really big part of it. And mm -hmm. it might, and and I'm just going to do it right at the top. It's that how much it's like Harry Potter. And I can't decide if I'm sad that I watched this like after Harry Potter or or what, because I couldn't stop seeing Harry Potter in it. And I just thought, well, clearly source material for Harry Potter. I mean, there was a point that they're going into the mines and Gandalf is coming down some rocks. I'm like, he's literally wearing the sorting hat. Um, that yeah. it was like, it was so, it was overwhelming to me. I, I was mean, like, I oh. guess in fairness, so Gandalf it's, Dumbledore, it's... like I did this whole thing. And then I was really trying to force it out of my brain. Like, stop. I mean, <laughs> I guess in fairness, it's Harry Potter is like Lord of the Rings, not it Lord is. of the Rings. It's it like, is. And, and yes. true, but it's just the order that I took. Them yeah. In. And the, that, that's why I wonder if, the, if that actually hurt me. <laughs> the, uh, the, the movies actually came out the same year, Sorcerer's Stone and uh, Fellowship of the Rings. So that was a good year for fantasy. Yes, it was <laughs> a good year. Good year. Um, but I, it really like. That's interesting making the comparisons and mm -hmm. clearly lord of the rings is somehow the source material and in my head i'm like well maybe this is a multiverse like situation where <laughs> there's think we're getting a little too i think this is getting a little too convoluted multiverses weren't really you know on yeah, anyone's no, mind in just, 2001 
I just it went back to using today's vernacular and my knowledge of other pop culture things mm-hmm. that was it, um, which is about reading it. I mean, watching it in 2022 versus when it came out in 2001, mm-hmm. um, my thinking would have been different. And it is different that I didn't see it in a theater, so everything's blocked out. Mm-hmm. My mind could wander a little differently. Um, but I loved it. And I was fascinated a little bit by Peter Jackson's move from like these sweeping sceneries that are beautiful. And then he does a lot with like these close-ups of faces and eyes. Mm-hmm. We'll go back and forth between them and how much we looked at the beautiful skin on Elijah Wood. Uh, and I just was, I just was really, I took that in because even though I was watching it on a much smaller screen, it was just so beautiful. The yeah. music works, it's just amazing. And I really did get into the story so fully that I was trying to figure out the details. A lot of things didn't stay with me. I've only seen it once. Like I couldn't remember people's names because sometimes I'm like, did they ever say, um, what's Kate Blanchett's character's name? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they ever say her name is Galadriel. Like I just or knew they her do, as the lady quick. in the woods, the lady of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, they, she they talk is, about her. She is referred to as Galadriel in the extended edition of the film. Uh, well, okay, the okay. cuts yeah, I should. Well, I looked up a little, a few things because I was like, what is her name? Um, but I, I, I loved every, I loved every ounce of it. And aside from the distracting thing that I kept going, well, this is really Harry Potter. Uh, or this Harry Potter really came from this. Yeah, I loved it. Although, um, to your sister, I was not an Orlando Bloom fan that way, but Vigo or Sean Bean would have been fine for me. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, so th- I think the one of the strongest things that they do for this whole series is at the beginning of this movie when they have the forging of the rings and that sort of exposition dump uh with explaining the different uh the the different races uh the elves the dwarfs the uh the, uh they go into uh sauron and the ring and uh and i think that that helps so much because it gets all that kind of world building and all of that uh explaining of the you know the different groups and the different rings and everything i i think it it gets it all out of the way you're done instead of bogging down the story in exposition which a lot of fantasy does and loses me on um this you they've got it you're done you then you're moving on and it's just pretty much pure story from that point on uh and economy uh, of, it's economic storytelling yeah i think that <laughs> helps so much it's just like this little detail that makes this a lot more palatable as a, me as a non-fantasy person I think it makes it so much better that all of that kind of stuff is just taken care of in the, in the very beginning. Are you a fan of Rachel's reviews? Do you look forward to family movie night, female film critics panels, or the talking Disney podcast? If so, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron as a patron, you get to access monthly events such as the watch alongs and Q and A's where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for family movie night, or even become a guest on the podcast. 
Podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive and I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. Interesting that you say that because I started this like 18 times and Mm -hmm. it's right out of the gate. It has all that exposition. And so I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm not taking this in, like rewind that. What did she say? And so mm-hmm. I came back to it. Cause I knew I had to take in that first couple of minutes of exposition to know where we were going. Mm-hmm. I really did. I started over many times over the course of two days until I finally was like, okay. And then I pulled up the transcript for it and read it because I felt like I really needed to understand what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And is- um, once, once I got there, then I was like, and I was worried that the whole movie was going to be that like over exposition. And I was like, oh boy. And then I ended up being exactly that, the perfect start. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Oscar? Well, it's quite impressive how succinctly they're able to mm-hmm. establish Middle Earth and, and the various uh, peoples and cultures within it and the stakes of, of, of what happens if Sauron is to reclaim the ring. Mm-hmm. And I think... and. It, I think it effectively draws you in. Yeah, I think it, it does because there's like, <clears throat> there's the kind of, uh, the kind of viewer that sort of revels in all of the world building and the detail and things in fantasy. But then there's the kind of person like me who just wants to get to the story. Let's well, the story that I don't really, it just doesn't, I just don't love that kind of thing. I find that kind of dull. And and so this, you managed to get both viewers on board because you certainly got plenty of details throughout the course of the, um, of the movie, of course, but uh, you get right to the story uh, as quickly as they can, at least, uh, which I appreciate. I mean, something like, if you think of compared to something like Warcraft, you know, which is just like, oh, so boring um, that <clears throat> this just is, so much i just think it was such a smart storytelling decision for them um and then of course you get uh, introduced to isidore and you also through his story you get a real clear idea of the power of the ring because i think it could be kind of confusing at first because it's just like this tiny little ring like what is it why is it so powerful but because you've seen his story and how the power that it had over him with Sauron uh, and then you see Gollum uh, that uh, that I think that that helps too is to understand the weight and compared to that when you look at the Hobbit movies versus these movies I think the reason why they work so much these ones work so much better is because there's like a clear moral weight to the story in this series whereas you don't have that in the Hobbit it's just like an adventure and this there's like a definite evil that has to be defeated. Uh, and uh, so I think that having this story of Isidore and the ring at the beginning also is very effective. Uh, what from do you a, think, Oscar? I think from a storytelling and stake standpoint, it's kind of like starting with the main course and then coming to the entrees much later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, um, that's the word I was thinking too, is that it easily establishes the stakes that we're dealing yes. with. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's, but the other thing that's, 
Well, the other thing that really draws you in is, uh, in contrast to Warcraft, you actually have a strong set of protagonists to get you hooked in. Mm -hmm. The initial characters like Sauron and Isildur and Gollum are interesting, but they aren't, you know, what hooks you, they aren't, they aren't who the audience latches onto. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that backstory is established, we are very quickly introduced to Frodo, Bilbo and Gandalf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's their, and it's their warmth and their, mm -hmm. uh, and their friendship that really uh, uh, invites us in, in to be invested in this world. Yeah, we get introduced to the world of the hobbits and uh, Frodo and Gandalf. Gandalf's the wizard. He says, a wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he needs to. <laughs> Iconic line. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, we have uh, the party, Bilbo's party. Uh, he disappears uh, into the ring. And you hear him. You hear him say, "My precious." <laughs> That's a pretty prosaic uh, moment. You know, this is going to again. You're you're building up the power of this ring, sort of the mystery around the ring. Especially since we don't know what Gollum looks like yet. We only have his outline and mm -hmm. close up of his hands. So you start to, you start to imagine what's going to happen to Bilbo if he keeps this ring for much longer. Yeah, yeah. Surprised there wasn't more of him in this. There's only a glimpse of him. I was, mm -hmm. I mean, from what just from my, you know, what I knew about all of this before, I just thought he would be more prominent in this part. And is there more? There's more of him in in the extended, right? There's another scene of him where he's following the fellowship. It's near towards the end of the film, but again, you don't see him in full. You just get his hands, you know, above the water as he swims after them well and there's the scene in the one where you see his eyes yes that's the more famous one and that's in yeah. the minds of moria yeah i i just thought there would be more i thought i would understand what he is because i don't i don't fully get what he is and didn't well watch the, two the two towers is where we are really properly introduced to Gollum, but for the purposes of the first film he is this creepy almost phantom-like uh, presence yes yes he is creepy now this this beginning part is where well there's two parts of this movie that are really different from the book if I'm I have read it but it's been a while we have more in the Shire in the book right that's right yeah Tom Bombadil and some of the other characters and we also have uh, Bil Bilbo and Frodo's uh, greedy cousins the Sackville Bagginses mm -hmm. and then we'll are... talk more about. Uh, Boromir that's the other big difference right yes yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> and you Jen you said you had read The Hobbit right you yeah yeah I mean I read it in my youth so it's right. been a while <laughs> right <laughs> that counts. Uh, so then we have Gandalf uh leaves Frodo to study the ring um and then uh he comes back he throws the ring in the fire and that's where you get the what's one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness find them. Pretty good. <laughs> and I guess they they made the to to make the visual effects work on the ring. They 
they the rings were actually really big so they could get that uh um that uh they could get those engravings and other things like real uh, you know those really good money shots of the ring <laughs> yeah they did they they really built you know in enlarged props of the ring so that for example when bilbo drops it and they cut to a close-up of the ring as it hits the floor and doesn't bounce almost as if the ring is heavy and sort of willing itself to land you know flat on the ground mm-hmm. it's very clever sort of visual trickery yeah um and so as they're talking about the ring then they hear some noise from the garden and samwise the gardener is there listening in and so he gets involved in this whole thing <laughs> and i think that samwise is sort of the key to the whole story working uh, because yes, Frodo is our, our main hero, but really that kind of transitions into Samwise after a while, because Frodo is kind of controlled by the ring at a certain point. And so you need him and he's, he's the kind of characters we just talked about the secret of Nim, uh, here on the pod. And, uh, I think Mrs. Brisby is also a similar kind of hero that the, both of them don't really want to be heroes they don't really but they just have to do the right thing for the people they love and uh, so i think those are very easy characters to root for uh, because they're so pure yeah that's an excellent comparison actually mm-hmm. what do you think about samwise jen oh my gosh i think everyone needs a samwise in their life yes. samwise the greatest friend that ever was and i've only seen the first movie <laughs> Mother told me that I will come to love him even more, which I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had no problem believing that he would not be affected by the ring because there is a purity about his loyalty to Frodo that I just, I just thought there's no way the ring could get him. Yeah. An interesting thing because clearly the ring has powers over man <laughs> and you see, and, and I love that whole, how Frodo has to come to the point, you know, later in the story that he, everyone will be uh everyone will take be ruled by it so he has to take it on his own but i had no problem seeing why frodo could let samwise come with him and oh gosh everyone needs samwise. yeah yeah i also love uh, ian mckellen as gandalf i think he's so great and and uh, the the chemistry between him and elijah wood who's also great uh, I mean, it, they had a, an incredible cast for this, this yeah. whole s- series and uh, the way that Gandalf knows that he can't have the ring, like he knows his own weakness and just the power of the ring. And, uh, I, I think that that it, it immediately endears you to his character. Like, you know, he's a good person. Yeah. I was also fascinated throughout with how, um, how they portrayed the ring's effect on different people, specifically how Bilbo would shift in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some. they all kind of got affected. It shows that great evilness, mm-hmm. how quickly they could turn. Yeah. So interesting how it was kind of a little bit different for each person. Yeah, and you get that with, uh, with Galadriel, when she when he offers the ring to her and you Mm -hmm. see the power of it over her uh is is really really 
uh, clear. And of course, then you also see the temptation of the ring for Boromir uh, also later on. Uh, and uh, so Frodo sent on a journey and uh, Samwise joins him. And then Gandalf vi- goes to visit Saruman, who is his, at the time, was his friend, he thought. He goes in, but he's been tempted by the dark, I guess, the, he's not been the dark tempted, side, not Star Wars, been, but. He's been coerced by Sauron. <laughs> I think the names are too similar. Sauron and Saruman. They are similar. And yeah. other adaptations have altered Saruman's name to be less similar sounding mm-hmm. oh, that's but to have christopher lee as saruman brilliant and Absolutely. the incredible thing is was that saruman wasn't the role that lee had always wanted to play he had always wanted to play gandalf yeah well that would make sense i mean i could see i could see these roles swapping pretty easily and Ian mckellen being i mean they're both incredible actors so of course but it just works because christopher lee has such a like menacing face like just his eyes are so like they i don't know i just think it works so well to have him in this villain role i mean he was in tons of like horror movies and stuff like that so i think uh, this was perfect casting for him he has the perfect stature and gravitas mm-hmm. and power in his voice yeah. and that's another key thing about saruman in the book is that the, the, the amount of charisma he instills in his voice compels other people to do his bidding in a way that, you know, is would be considered kind of cheating from Gandalf's mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah, and he says, you elected the way of pain. <laughs> That's a great line. What did you think of that little wizard duel? It was good. I enjoyed it. What do you think, uh, Jen, of that part? Oh my gosh, I loved it, but I also felt the um, 2001 of it when like Gandalf is hanging off by his toes. Oh yeah. I was like, I think there would have been, there could have been some like CGI stuff or something, but I thought that that duel was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very practical. You know, it's yes. stunt work and clever, clever camera work. No one's throwing yes. fireballs or electricity. Yes, I mm-hmm. and dark like just all of it i just thought it was shot well and was kind of bare i just thought it was yeah so we meet pippin and mary join the the team uh they're basically like the troublemakers of the shire yeah they're kind of the comic relief to lighten things up throughout the whole series and you have uh dominic monahan and billy boyd as our Pippin and Mary, and they are, you know, a lot of a lot of fun uh, through the series, and it kind of gives something for uh, the uh, the fellowship to do in the next movie. <laughs> Just go find uh, Pippin and Mary. Uh, so they also have good. some pretty substantial character development throughout the trilogy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we have these Nazgul. Are the Black Riders, the ring race that are controlled by the ring and that are coming after, uh, coming after Frodo, and uh, the, you get that really good scene where they're all huddling in the um, uh, like there's a little cove or whatever, and uh, and the the ring race are 
the Nazgul are like there and they're so close and you can, you can sense the, just the chill in the air is very effective, I think. And their very presence causes, you know, the insects around them to freak out and start running in all directions. Mm -hmm. I, I like these ring race better than the, uh, like the orgs and the, the, the other, um, well, yeah, well there are different kinds of menace aren't they the mm -hmm. Nazgul are basically you know the top servants of Sauron and the, this is the, the this is the most important mission they have at that point which is retrieving the ring and taking it back mm -hmm. to Mordor yeah so Sauron builds the Wrath the the army his army and uh then he strips he strips his fortress of trees and digs these enormous pits to build forges yeah and then the uh, hobbits meet up with strider and he says you're not nearly frightened enough i know what haunts you so jen what do you think of our introduction to uh, aragorn and strider Oh my gosh, I, well, again, I didn't know who everyone was. <laughs> like um, the fact that Aragorn had like the hood on. And so I did, I did not know who he was. Okay. Yeah. And I was fascinated with him jumping in hell. And I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, that's Viggo Mortensen. So I know that he's in it. <laughs> um, so I thought it was very cool. I also thought it was cool that Legolas is the one that actually introduces him properly so that you know who he is and his importance because i didn't know it until that moment mm -hmm. but i thought that's that whole scene where he jumps in is cool yeah it's really good and i love that whole scene where you've got the nazgul and <clears throat> they got their big long swords and they you think that they're going to be killing all of our characters which of course wouldn't happen but but uh, but it's just chicken feathers. I know that whole. I feel like that whole with the music yeah. and everything is very well done. That whole sequence. Yeah, the atmosphere and suspense in Brie especially is really palpable. It's such a sharp mm -hmm. contrast to the warm, vibrant colors of Hobbiton. You have all these dark shadows yeah. and deep blues. That's true. It's going full tilt into horror movie territory. I mean, that's why I've said for a long time that this one might be my favorite of the three because i i do get a little bit wearisome in particularly the second one with these battle scenes that are really long and just not my favorite uh whereas this it's even the i don't know almost every scene is is about character building and uh and growth and so even when they're journeying they're having discussions and they're and their things are happening uh and you don't really have any of those like battle scenes like you do in the other movies which are needed but they're just a little long i feel like um so this one i i really i really like this this movie i think it's it's very well done we'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast it's the hallmarkies merch store are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. 
You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. So then they go up to the weather top. And the Nazgul find them. And this is where Frodo gets stabbed by the Morgul blade. And that becomes a thing throughout the whole rest of the series because he is like forever weakened. And that's why Samwise has to kind of help him. But yeah, I mean, I thought Elijah Wood did a good job in that scene of feeling like he was really stabbed. Yes, he did. He did seem wounded. Yeah. <laughs> it's also... I did think he might die but knew that he couldn't yeah. i think it's also interesting because looking at it from a certain point of view you can almost imagine strider might have actually betrayed the hobbits when he suddenly disappears but then when he re-emerges brandishing a sword and a torch driving the nazgul away you, there's a you know lift of relief and you realize no he's actually a good guy mm-hmm. well and frodo would have become a ring wrath right uh, if he hadn't been healed by the elves yes that's right mm-hmm. from that wound so this is the first time we see arwen and she's not really in the book right she's in like she's an addendum mentioned, she's mentioned in fellowship and return of the king and Tolkien writes more about her in the appendices yeah, but yeah they yeah. expanded her presence for sure mm-hmm. And I think that Liv Tyler was brilliant casting. She just has an elfish quality to her. I think. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think she was really good. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, she's famous, but I think after that, I expected her to be like super famous. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's hardly in any movies and you don't see her that much. Yeah. I mean, they cast her up not too long after her, one of her big screen roles in Armageddon. And it seemed like she was, probably the Mm -hmm. most famous member of the cast at that time yeah but yeah yeah, i agree she was absolutely radiant as that one so good perfect and um i like if you want him come and claim him (laughs) that's good that's good after a really suspenseful you know horse chasing across Mm -hmm. these forests and fields yes and And so uh this week i see bilbo again in rivendale He's there with the book. He's written his book. And uh, Gandalf is there. And uh, um, Frodo is healing. It's it's also very poignant because you can see Bilbo aging quite strongly compared to how we first see him. So he's, Mm -hmm. you can see he's really starting to basically come into retirement at Rivendell. Mm -hmm. And this leads to this wonderful, but also very and scene where he gives Frodo his sword and his mithril shirt for the for the quest yeah and this is where we find out that Aragorn is Isidore's heir and uh, that he is the he is the uh should be the king of men uh but uh he's rejecting his role I guess you'd say but um, and then this is where we meet Boromir, Sean Bean, 
uh, and uh, he tries to get the ring for his people. And uh, and we also meet uh, Legolas and Gimli in these scenes. So this basically they're establishing the fellowship. Um, and Jen, did you have a favorite member of the fellowship? Oh, I mean, until <laughs> until he attacks Frodo, it was Boromir, but uh is that is that how you say it i just called him in my head yeah i just called him sean bean in my head but (laughs) i would ultimately pick aragorn in the end yeah yeah Uh, um i mean if not if not samwise because yeah he's amazing samwise is great what what about you oscar do you have a favorite of the fellowship i would say uh, i would say samwise as well i think he really is the yeah i think he's the soul of the fellowship and his his courage and resolute you know loyalty to Frodo and his incorruptible character he's he makes him that makes him very aspirational in his own way now in the book Boromir does not does not betray the fellowship right he they changed that in in for this right well what happens in the book is that well we're jumping ahead a bit but he does try to take the ring from from frodo but after he after frodo gets away he actually in the book he actually goes to tell aragorn about what happened and is you know admonished for what he did and uh, this is at the start of book three but as we know boromir dies but he dies heroically trying to protect the hobbits mm. right so i would say he, he he doesn't fall out i don't think he full out betrays the fellowship but I, he does succumb to the, the pressures built the, the pressures put placed upon him and the temptation of the ring which is feeding on that mm-hmm. yeah and the legolas and aragorn and gimli become kind of like your three musketeers of this of this story <laughs> kind of a fun group <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's actually that's actually kind of what my dad said to describe them as well. Mm-hmm. The Three Musketeers of fantasy movies. Yeah, they're pretty fun, and uh, it's um. Uh, we also see. get, I think, some kind of tension between Gimli and Legolas, highlighting the fact that elves and dwarves really don't trust each mm-hmm. other. And you have John. I Reese. love Gimli's face is so funny in all of it. Sorry. Yeah, John Reese Davies, who does. I mean, he's got all that you know that makeup on and yeah he still managed to create a pretty convincing character uh so that's he does a good job with that and uh he suggests as they go through the mines of moria and gandalf uh it says he will only do that unless they have no other choice because of the 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 many uh creatures and other things in those the mines have been overtaken the mines have been overrun by goblins mm-hmm. and it, the possibility that's that a balrog has been you know woken up from its slumber which they do discover is the case mm-hmm. that's what Gandalf so, was afraid of uh so then they say let the ring bear decide and uh then so frodo decides that they should go through the caves and that's when sam has to say goodbye to the horse oh, oh sweet that was a sweet moment. <laughs> the, the 
the horse actually had a, quite a, quite a lot more you know c- scenes in the book but uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, and yes they do but fortunately sam does reunite with him at the end of the quest yeah oh that's right yeah um, so it's pretty emotional. I mean, they have this octopus creature when they first get into the caves, but then after that, they find that all of the people in the caves, the dwarves have died and uh, that there's the shadow, they say the shadow moves in the dark and then this cave yeah. troll comes after them. And I think that John Reese Davies does a good job also in these scenes of being just obviously as you would be being very emotional. And uh, so we get that kind of goofy side, but we also get this emotional side. It's interesting because Gimli's actually a fairly stoic character in the book. He's quite mm-hmm. gruff and serious. So when he discovers that Balin has died, he just pulls his hood over his head and just sort of sits there in silent grief contrary to uh, how John Reese davies portrays Gimli in grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite effective yeah. on screen as we see it. What do you think of that, Jen? That whole sort of segment in the cave? Oh, I felt his heartbreak for sure. And mm-hmm. like his reaction when he, I mean, just as they walk in and you just see him go to his knees, it's, oh, you're just sad for him. I also found it interesting that, um, you know, the there's the dead body with the book that's apparently recording everything that was going on. And Gandalf can just go like peel it off of the dead hands and read all of all of the happenings. Yeah. Yeah. How it all went down. I was like, oh. <laughs> and it's it's even morbid if you know who that was. Oh. And Tolkien actually gives the gives the answer. That was Ori, one of the dwarves in Thorin's company. Yeah, and so then there's this creature called the Balrog that's in the cave. It's a demon, I, I think. And uh, so then they're they're rushing to get across this bridge. And then Gandalf, this is when Gandalf says, you shall not pass. And so your big Very much became the signature, the signature line of the movies, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then he's going to get to drag down the Balrog and he says, fly, you fools. <laughs> good too. It's, very- it's interesting how it almost looks like it's a conscious choice on Gandalf's part to fall in with the Balrog. Mm-hmm. It does. Because at that point you understand, you know, this creature isn't dead and he could still, it could still get out. So he has to stop it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I well, wondered if there was something foot. in the I wondered if there was something in the book on whether or not that was conscious or if we know if it was conscious. I don't think so because in the book it's described it's described that he calls out fly you fools as he's falling. Oh. Do you think that he knows that he will be able to come back? No, I don't think so. Is that like a thing with wizards or is that they have <laughs> well, the thing- multiple lives? The thing is Gandalf and Saruman are both angelic spirits who could return to basically the land of the gods and thus their spirits are immortal but their bodies can still be destroyed because he goes from being Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White that's right Yeah. 
So he wouldn't and have he's known. Assen- he's essentially him. being put back on the job as, <laughs> you know, the as the emissary to yeah. lead the free peoples and resisting Sauron. So he wouldn't have, that's not like a thing with wizards normally that they like change no, get another not. life. No, this is very much special to Gandalf. <laughs> special, that's good. Okay. So is, uh, is, um, is um, Gandalf the king and the return of the king? No. No. Uh, so, yeah. So then we meet Galadriel. This is the where they once they get out they meet galadriel and uh he says you bring great evil here ring bearer it's <laughs> pretty so good that, that lothlorian section is quite suspenseful compared to mm-hmm. rivendell oh yes and that cape blanchett amazing yeah i mean some of I the i used to be scared of her as a kid yeah <laughs> well i wouldn't blame you for good reason <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it does feel like she actually could end up taking the ring like he's so transfixed by her um, and you don't really know if she's good or bad uh she's certainly scary but then also she's an elf and i don't know so there's it's a, it's a kind of an interesting character and especially because she narrated the beginning so who is she and uh what does she you know what's her character i think it's it's a good it's well done um, it's a great test of character for her because ultimately she does resist the ring and it does mean that she is able to fulfill her own personal quest mm-hmm. to, to continue being queen of her realm and eventually go west to the Undying Lands yeah. with the remaining elves. And uh, so then Boromir and Aragorn have a talk about the Lords of Gondor. Um, what what's that all about, Oscar? This is essentially uh, Boromir showing more of his vulnerable side and confessing that he's he's really not at ease with the with the elves, and he also and a part of him actually does want Aragorn to uh, face up to his responsibility as the rightful king of Gondor, and it, it also shows his patriotism but in a good way and you 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 come to understand a little bit more about what he's on the quest for what he's fighting for because that determines his upcoming choices even if they're horrible choices they're coming from a place of wanting to protect his people Mm -hmm. so i love that scene yeah i mean he boromir always has the best of intentions and i think frodo even knows that uh, he knows, and that's why Boromir gets so tempted because he, he has, he's trying to help his people. Uh, but Frodo, of course, knows that he needs to take the ring to, to Mordor. And, and he can see, Frodo can see that the fellowship is breaking up, that it's not going to last, which is kind of surprising for this, for that to come like full circle in the first of this trilogy, I think, that the Fellowship is formed and falls apart in one movie. You wouldn't necessarily expect that sort of thing from the Avengers or the Justice League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And he says, and they say, one by one, it will destroy them all. 
And, and then Frodo says to Gladriel, if, if you ask it of me, I will give you the one ring. And, but she, uh, she says, all shall love me in despair. But then she says, I, uh, she says, I, I passed the, the test. test. I will diminish yes. and go to the West and remain the Ladriel. So <laughs> she passes the temptation. Um, and uh, we get this great uh, conversation or he says that you are a ring bearer, Frodo. To bear a ring of power is to be alone. And, uh, and uh, this task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. And he says, I know what I must do, but I'm afraid to do it. So that was, I think, really. It endears you to the character. It makes you root yes. for him. Yes, it, it really shows how much, you know, uh, how, how much he's risking his, his own life and his own sanity and his own will to live by mm -hmm. bearing this ring closer and closer to Mount Doom. Yeah. And uh, in, the, in the whole long, one of the most iconic quotes of the whole series is, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what we do with the time that is given us. So that's going to be on a lot of like pillows and wall art and stuff like that. <laughs> it, it's, it truly is a timeless quote, yeah. as true as it would have been in the 1940s when Tolkien was writing The Lord of the Rings to mm -hmm. up until today. And it never it never stops being relevant. Yeah, yeah, Jen. What do you think about that? And what like what this first movie is kind of trying to say? Well, I have seen that quote on pillows. Yeah, <laughs> and I knew it before he said it. Um, but I think it just has to do with um, for me uh, the burden that Frodo is feeling. A, he's this unwitting um, person. Yeah. You know? wants this but uh, that's kind of how life is <laughs> yeah. that a lot of the things get, that get dealt to us we don't necessarily want but we bear them and go forward and um I, I also think that connects right into what Gandalf um says about like you just got to choose what you what to do with the time you're given mm -hmm. times you're given these very long hard tasks and and if you're you know up to it you you do it mm -hmm. Well, and I also think that so often in storytelling these days, we are like afraid of acknowledging evil now in a lot of movies and books, and it can be fine, but I like the fact that there's like a real dichotomy in Lord of the Rings between good and evil and the shown through the power of the ring and they have to, they, like, they have to take it extremely seriously. It's extremely powerful and uh, and uh, it almost defeats them. I mean, it gets very close, but you know, as we see going forward, uh, the just the the fight against corruption and evil and uh, Satan and you know all that's a real thing within the story. And I think it makes everything matter more than these stories that I mean it, that try to make every character sympathetic and every character, like there's no real moral weight 
to what they're fighting. There's like lots of stake here. Literally the whole civilization basically you know, is at stake. Well said. Um, well said. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned you mentioned Satan because faith is actually is a huge underpinning of mm -hmm. the Lord of the Rings book. It isn't brought so much up in the films, but that but it is present. Mm -hmm. It is present in, in the fact that there is, does appear to be some sort of div divine guiding hand in certain key events. It's yeah. it's mentioned also in the minds when Gandalf says to Frodo, there are other forces at work in this world besides the will of evil. Bilbo mm -hmm. was meant to find the ring, in which case you also were meant to have it. Yeah, And that is an encouraging thought. Right. That we all have sort of a calling that if we can tap into that, then we will feel so much power and, and be emboldened, I guess. And this also, and you have to have a faith in mm -hmm. in something or some greater cause to latch onto that. Well, yeah, and you think like the smallest, forward. the smallest race, the smallest group for the hobbits, the most simple people, that they're the, going to be the ones that in the end save everybody. That's you right. Know, there's faith in that as well. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. So then one of the most dramatic spectacle moments of the movie is it here where you see them uh, sailing through the uh, the kings of old. And so we get that in the CGI. Uh, actually, that, those are models. That's not CGI. Oh, that's all models? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> so very realistic evidently because it is real <laughs> but they they look it's a very dramatic spectacle moment i think there and then boromir asked for the ring uh, and uh i think that's a very emotional moment because you know he's weak and you just feel sad for him that he has because you understand where he's coming from, but oh, oh. and you just see I like Frodo's. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Reactions yeah. to that scene are very fascinating because some people can look at that scene and say of Boromir, oh, what a jerk. And other people say, no, Boromir, don't make those choices. Yeah, that's more my reaction. Like, oh. Yeah, that was mine. <sighs> Darn. Um, uh, and then Eric Warren says, I would have gone with you to the end, which is another nice moment. And, and then the- um... Very, very keenly when he sees the ring and for a moment there is the possibility he might be tempted like a Sildor was before him. Mm -hmm. And he very gently closes Frodo's hands and pushes the ring to his chest. Yeah. So he in his own way is able to pass his test but also has to, you know, remind Frodo that this is his burden alone. And which then, the thing to have to, which can, cannot be the easiest thing to have to convey to Frodo. But Aragorn is much is much better as a protector and a leader. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely a humble leader for Aragorn. I mean, he doesn't want power. Um, and uh, 
you know, he, he, what power he does have, he uses very gently. It's beautifully conveyed, I think, by Vegan Rosenson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Boromir, the, the race come and- Actually, Bor no, the Saruman's Urukai okay. arrive. Yeah, the, and they shoot Boromir with arrows. It's very sad. He dies because he's Sean Bean. He dies. <laughs> so sad. Because people know the joke is that Sean Bean dies in every movie. Dies in every movie. <laughs> he's Sean Bean himself has decided that he won't be in a movie or TV show where his character dies. He's done with that. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny. Good, good call. <laughs> probably gets tired doing these death scenes probably uh, yeah um and then so what do you think of this as a battle sequence in of itself rachel i think it's pretty good um i mean in general the uh what did you call them again the urukai the urukai they're, they're kind like, of boring like, to me but um they're, they're basically meant to be orcs the size of people the size of men and therefore more dangerous than regular orcs mm-hmm you, yeah, you, and there's that one that? who's the main leader. Yes. Of the orcs. Yes, he's the one who he's the one who shoots Boromir. Yeah. Um, they're fine, I think. They <laughs> in general, the fighting is just not my favorite in the series, but you need some of it. I just think in the next couple that goes on a little long. Um, the fighting. But um, I don't know. What do you think, Jen? I thought this was the scariest one of mm -hmm. all of because there was a lot more uh really close stuff and <clears throat> and Bormor is just getting shot by these arrows which is horrible and I don't know this one to me was more intense than some of the other ones even though there's been lots of intense I mean there's you know Jurassic Park kind of hiding from I have to call them Dementors because I can never remember their names uh Raptors um the Raptors in Jurassic Park yes and the, well Jurassic Park hiding from the dinosaurs uh that when they were hiding in that little tree log. Oh thing. yeah, the race. Oh, I the totally race. felt like they were hiding, like those, the, all those scenes when the dinosaurs were right there in Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. But I really, this one was scary to me. This one with the arrows and like, it was the first time I really thought beside that, you know, someone's going to die. Yeah. So and it's such a chaotic sequence because yes. Frodo gets separated from Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. Sam's chasing after Frodo. Merry and Pippin get caught up in the shuffle. Boromir right. was out on his own for a bit and then has to come to their rescue. And help is too far away from him. Yeah. So then uh, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas decide to go after uh, Merry and Pippin. And then Frodo's going to be going off alone. Uh, but then Sam runs after him and almost drowns in the water because he can't swim and uh uh he says i will not i promise gandalf i would not i will not leave i will not leave you um so that's very sweet and that's kind of our end of the end of this chapter of the story uh so yeah what do you uh, can i just say something about that yes, please. first of all i was like what it's over <laughs> you know that's, that's invested in this and i was like are you kidding me <laughs> that really is the mark of a great a great film even if it's quite long it's like you're shocked that it's over yeah. right I was like there's so much more they didn't get there they didn't finish the quest and I absolutely love and maybe 
one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing is when um, Aragon kind of pulls the three musketeers together and says, we're going to go what we can do because he says Frodo's not their responsibility anymore is what we can do is go save those fools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very and and I, I did not expect that mm-hmm. from him. And I, I was, del- I just love that moment. I actually went back after I finished it and watched that scene again. Yeah. It's great because you can see Gimli go from in despair to, you know, pumped up and raised yes. race across a whole country. Yes. It was very touching to me. I just was mm-hmm. like, yes. Yeah. And a great, and a great pickup after, you know, Boromir's, Boromir dying in Aragorn's arms. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I asked on Twitter uh, what people thought of this first movie. And I got a ton of responses, but I'll just read a couple. Richard Southworth, he says, I liked it well enough when I first saw it, but it was only after Return of the King that the whole trilogy really grew on me. I like Fellowship about the same as Two Towers. It does a great job introducing you to this world and getting the story going. And then Nostalgic Cast, our friend Darren, he says, my favorite of the trilogy, despite some pacing issues that make it feel more like a cliffhanger serial than I'd like it to, Jackson and company created a lavish lyrical version of the books, fleshing out the characters enough to make me care about them for the next two films. Uh, Zach Kircher, he says, what's the word the kids use? It's a banger. (laughs) 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 And uh, we have a ton of people saying masterpiece, love it. Best of the trilogy. Uh, Our friend Secrets of Dumbledore says, like every Middle Earth film, it's overlong, but it's best. It's the best of the franchise, in my opinion. Great setup, good acting, and nice visuals. For me, when it comes to Lords of the Rings specifically, there is no such thing as overlong. (laughs) But that's just Lords of the Rings. I can't go with you there with those Hobbit movies. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not saying that is true for The Hobbit, in fact. (laughs) Okay. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. (laughs) Okay. Um, Our friend uh, Lassie Boy says, it might be my favorite movie of all time. Uh, Kevin the Critic says, one of my favorite fantasy films. Uh, Aaron B says, I got to rewatch it. It's a movie from my childhood. Uh, Eloise says, I love it. Uh, Christoph says, a masterpiece. So we've got uh, pretty much nothing but love for uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. So thank you both so much for coming on talking about this. This was a lot of fun. And uh, let us know if you're listening, what you think of this first movie and the different things we talked about. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. And Oscar, uh, how can people find you, follow you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, I'll be on underscore 92 on Twitter. Great. And uh, Jen, do you want to share any of your social media? Um, I'm on Twitter at what jen's up to very good and you can find me at rachel's reviews all over social media itunes youtube and on rotten tomatoes and i also have uh family movie night reviews of all three of these movies so i'll put links to those in the uh, description so you want to check out my thoughts on there and i also have a review uh for obscure animation of the ralph bashke lord of the rings uh, animated uh, film uh, so I'll put that as well uh, so lots of Lord of the Rings content on the channel and uh, we it'll probably be a couple of weeks because I'm going out of town 
uh, it'd be more towards the end of August that we're going to have, we'll do two towers, uh, but we'll try to get both of those in uh, before the new show. So yeah, let us know what you think. And thanks to both of you, please, uh, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That helps us so much. And if you are watching or listening on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. I'd really, really appreciate that. Also have the patron group and merch store. So check all of that out. And thanks to both of you. And we'll talk to you all next about, uh, about two towers. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye.